Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, What more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder... Sometimes signs can get things wrong and have devastating consequences. Other times, the new discovery does little to minimize the gruesome deeds of a cold-blooded killer. On November 13, 1964, a man was born who would go on to take the lives of local sex workers in his neighborhood. A man who, according to science, may have killed one less victim, but was still a serial killer. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, Sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Hubert Geralds Jr. was born on November 13, 1964. Though not much is known about his early years, we do know that his father abandoned the family early on and that Hubert was the victim of abuse at the hands of his mother's boyfriend. Though the sources claim that he was living in New York in the years before his crimes, there is no records of his employment, though there does seem to be some for his incarcerations. Either way, we do know that on June 19, 1992, he was on parole from a New York prison, and on November 21, 1992, he was charged for residential burglary in Chicago. In the Chicago area, when he was released, Hubert decided to kick things up a notch, and on December 22, 1994, began his brutal attacks on local sex workers, mainly in the Inglewood neighborhood. Later called the Inglewood Strangler, 30-year-old Hubert Geralds Jr. began luring his victims with the promise of drugs, and once they were in some sort of private area, 
He would use a technique called the guardian angel chokehold, grip tightly until they took their last breaths, and then abandon them in an area known for its low socioeconomic status and crime. The names of the five victims' lives he took over the course of just under six months were Dortha Withers, 37 years old, Alonda Tart, 23 years old, Joyce Wilson, 28 years old, Millicent Peanut Jones, 25 years old, and Mary Blackman, 42 years old. On June 18, 1995, the day after Mary was strangled to death, Hubert Geralds was arrested in connection with the crime. How exactly did police end up turning their attention his way? Well, Mary Blackman's body was found in a waste disposal trash bin at the house that she actually shared with Hubert's family. She was also good friends with his sister, who found the body, and contacted the police. When she did, Angela Gerald told the officer that her brother was a violent drug user, and she believed that he may have had something to do with her friend's murder. Realizing that he contacted them back in March after the death of Joyce Wilson, Hubert was arrested and brought into custody. Upon his arrest on June 18, 1995, Hubert Gerald's Jr. was charged with the murders of six women and the attempted murder of another. According to the DNA testing done back in December of 1994, Hubert not only killed the five women already mentioned, but he also allegedly took the life of a sixth woman named Rhonda King. During the trial, Hubert's attorney attempted to present an insanity defense in hopes of getting his client life in prison instead of the death penalty. He claimed that Hubert had severe mental deficiencies, that he suffered from brain damage, and that he had a disorder known as paraphilia, which meant that he had a sexual addiction and needed to have sex with women while unconscious. Claiming his IQ was lower than 73, Hubert was seen sleeping in the courtroom while his family spoke of the physical and mental abuse that he suffered from as a child and the self-harm attempts that he would make that they said he did not realize would actually cause him injury, like when he believed he could fly and thought about jumping out of the windows. The prosecution, however, discredited all their attempts to prove mental deficiency, told the courts how he was a clear threat to society, and brought forth Clenshaw Hopes, his only surviving victim, who testified that on April 14, 1995, she and Hubert were smoking crack cocaine and marijuana in her apartment when he suddenly grabbed her neck from behind and lifted her off the ground until she blacked out. When she woke, she was being raped by him inside of a van. She fought back as hard as she could and dove through a piece of wood covering an opening. She crawled out and ran back home where she immediately contacted the police. With the defense attempting to discredit her by saying she changed her story multiple times, to which she admitted to doing so to avoid her family and police finding out about her drug use, Clenshaw Hopes bravely stood at her ground facing against the man who tried to kill her. On November 13, 1997, Hubert Gerald Jr., on his 33rd birthday, was convicted by a jury and sentenced to death. Now, from the very beginning of the trial, Hubert claimed that he was an innocent man despite the fact that, when arrested, he confessed to the murders in great detail. Still saying he was wrongfully convicted, and saying that the deaths were disputes over drugs that resulted in a physical altercation, his cries fell on deaf ears until January 28, 2000, when a man named Andre Crawford was arrested for the murder of 11 females in that very same Inglewood neighborhood. During the investigation, Andre admitted to the rape and murder of Rhonda King, 
Hubert's alleged victim. And when the DNA linked the pair together, as well as the details Andre supplied that no one outside the investigation could have known, law enforcement officials realized that there was no way Hubert could have killed Rhonda. Vacating his conviction on February 10, 2000, many wondered if the rest of Hubert's charges could also have been mistakes. Brought to trial for a second time, this time for only five murders and one attempted murder, the defense, still arguing for insanity, said that Hubert was so mentally ill that he was easily coerced into admitting to murders that he did not commit and tried to get his confession thrown out entirely. The Chicago police denied a forced confession while the prosecution, telling the jury, quote, not to be fooled, presented a letter written by Hubert to a newspaper in which he articulated correctly, used proper grammar, and had legible handwriting. He was sentenced to death for a second time, but Governor George Ryan, who declared a moratorium on capital punishment in Illinois, vacated the death sentence for 167 prisoners, and on January 11, 2003, Hubert Gerald Jr. was given life in prison without parole. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear a terrible thing happened on November 14th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.